Well, I was speaking to the Lord about what he wanted me to share with you today. And, of course, you know that God always heals. Um, there's healing gifts that can come into a meeting. Um, you know, the Bible says that you could be healed at any time. So that's a blessing right there. There is no season for healing. Healing is never out of season. It's never unfashionable, you know, to be healed. And we don't have to wait for a time when God's ready because he said he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. So he can send his word at any time. He can speak his word to your heart. He can show you a scripture in the Bible that he illuminates to you. The word's preached. And that's sometimes the best way to receive it because God will manifest. The Holy Spirit stands ready to manifest whatever he hears preached. And I believe that if people would, instead of taking healing out of their doctrine and, and not saying they don't believe in it, I think if they would preach it and declare it, it would come to them. So we don't really have to put any stops on God. Just because you've never seen it happen before, it doesn't mean God won't do it. Because many of the things that we're asking God for, we've never seen and experienced before. Nobody here knows what heaven looks like, never been there. You just heard about it. But yet we all know we're going, don't we? You're born again. <laughs> so faith in, 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 in God deals with things that are unseen to a large degree because God has yet to manifest himself totally to humanity. So I was while I was meditating and asking the Lord, what he wanted me to minister to, he brought me to the scripture in Jeremiah 32:27. So if we'll turn there, we'll get our theme for today. And I got to remember where Jeremiah is, just like everybody else does. <laughs> Jeremiah 32, verse, <coughs> excuse me, 27. He said, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything too hard for God? Now, see, we all know the right answer. That's like when the teacher says, I mean, you do it two times, two Every hand shoots up. Uh, we all know the right answer, but in the midst of our everyday living, sometimes that answer is far from us. So it depends on how near the right answer is to you, what will be manifested in your life. There are times when we're, say if we're, we're been diagnosed with an illness, we might go days and then sometimes weeks and months with no relief or very little relief. We may be handed a sentence that says that it's, it's something that's terminal or it's something that uh, is a lifelong diagnosis. Some things are incurable with man, but with God all things are possible. And God is the God of all flesh. So he's telling you anything that your flesh might be subject to is not too hard for him. These things are never too hard for God. So in taming and curing and healing the flesh, it is never too hard for God to work a miracle for someone. God is always willing and available and ready to do whatever it is that needs to be done for us to receive our cure, receive our healing, receive our health, 
Whatever it is that we need for God, he's always willing and ready and able to do it for us. And it's not too hard for him. And this is the only thing that we need to understand, really, about anything that we need. That it's not too hard for God. Because we are depending on God to do it for us. We're not depending on our faith. We're not depending on our faithfulness. We're not depending on our confession. We are depending on the faithfulness of God to do these things. And so if we will take the burden of responsibility for the doing of it off of ourselves and put it rightfully where it belongs on the Almighty God, and then we do our part. We do our obedience. We live according to God's rules and we expect God to come in and do what he says he was going to, is going to do. Then we will find that nothing is too hard for the Lord. <coughs> Excuse me. So in Genesis chapter 18, if you'll turn there, I thought we might stop and visit Abraham and Sarah today and just allow them to speak to us again from eternity. Their lives and their words are recorded as examples for us for how to live and how to prosper and how to, to uh, live according to God's prosperity, how to live in his benefits. And so in Genesis chapter 18, verse 14, the same question is repeated. In fact, this is the first time it's said, and Jeremiah was a repeat of here, says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for him? He says, at the time appointed, there is a time appointed by God. And we talked about (coughs) divine appointments, and we talked about God's appointed time as not necessarily being a point on a calendar or a point on your watch. But it is a point of things coming together, a timing of things, a situation where all things are right for the occurrence of a miracle. So God is more interested in setting things in order and getting people's faith lined up correctly so that they can be in position to receive what he has for them. That's your appointment. All you have to be is the right place at the right time with the right attitude, using your faith, and God will manifest himself to you. So we're not waiting for a time off in the future because God's not ready yet. That's really not what it's about. We are waiting for a fullness of things to come together. Sometimes your faith isn't all that it needs to be. Well, don't sit up and beat yourself up about it. Just use the faith that you have in believing God. And get yourself out of self-pity and out of a rut and out of unbelief and out of all the things that, those hindering forces that will keep you from expressing your faith. Many times Jesus, when he healed people, he would tell them to get up and do it anyway. You know, here's a man, a blind man, and Jesus spits on the ground and makes mud pies out of his spit, and the worst of it puts it on the man's eyes. Huh? Now, there was a a legend that was told that the firstborn in every Hebrew, the firstborn boy in every Hebrew family was supposed to have anointed saliva. Did you know that? There was supposed to be healing power in the saliva of the firstborn male in every Hebrew family. Now, listen, folks, that ain't in the Bible. I'm telling you what, what folk who supposedly know the Bible have told me for years. But Jesus did that because it touched that guy. It did something in him somewhere. 
that made his faith ignite, that caused him to move and do what Jesus told him to do. See, that was an old Hebrew legend, just like the people sitting by the pool. And they were waiting for an angel to trouble the water. Well, that ain't in the Bible nowhere that God says he's going to do it that way. The Bible says he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. But you know, God will sometimes use your goofy traditions and your goofy just to turn a spark of, uh, ignite a spark of something in somebody. Because those people who were sitting at that pool were waiting for something. They were expecting something. And so Jesus comes instead of an angel, the healer steps in. And he always shows them a more accurate and a better way. But just because they're sitting there in superstition and legend doesn't stop God from moving if somebody has some faith down there. That's why a lot of times you'll see people in the Catholic Church especially can go see a statue weep and get a healing from God. God, you wouldn't heal them around a weeping statue. Well, why not? He heals them around weeping crazy saints like us and non-weeping saints. And he comes to this meeting. Why wouldn't he go to their meeting and heal somebody if he sees faith? And so anyway, God is not stopped. <laughs> I don't know why I told you all all that. <clears throat> but see, well, these are mixed situations. You know, we think we got to have it all together and get it right before God will bless us. Well, I've got news for you. If you're waiting for you and me included to get it together before he does, so we're going to be waiting a lot. Uh-huh. Huh? We might be here a while. So we just kind of do the best we can. We use our faith as we know it, as, as we understand faith. We use what we have. But we're constantly demonstrating our faith to God. Many times he would tell people to get up and do something and act like they had it before they had it. That is the best way to get anything from God. Because faith expresses itself in the now. Faith is now. You will find that, you know, you know something, if you go and stand in the window of Tiffany's in New York long enough, you're going to put something together about how to get that bling bling off of that thing in the window and get it on your hand. Huh? What you behold, you possess on some level. And see, we have to understand that we are people of faith. Even if we're using it in goofy, carnal, you know, crippled ways, we are people of faith. As your God is trying to teach us how to use our faith for the blessings of life and not just the things of life. So here we have Abraham and Sarah, and they're like my favorite couple in the Bible. They did it all, seed it all, messed up, straightened up. God still loved them. He showed them who he really was through this couple. So here we are with them in Genesis chapter 18. And they have a visitation from God. Abraham is a priest and he's also a prophet of God. He speaks for God. He speaks by the unction of the Spirit for God. And it says here in verse 10, he said, I will certainly return to thee according to the time of life. Not time on the calendar, but time in your life when you are ready to receive this blessing from me. See, all the dealings God had with Abraham and Sarah was a readiness visitation. He would come and tell them what he was going to do, and then he'd leave and see if they believed it or not. He would come and remind them that he was going to do this over and over again and again and again. God does that with us. If we will listen to him, he has never changed. Whatever he told you he was going to do from the very beginning, he is still going to do that. 
he never changes his mind about what he's going to do with you. And he says, according to the time of life, and lo, Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son. Sarah, <coughs> yeah. And Sarah heard it at the tent door, which was behind him. So here Sarah is <coughs> snooping back at the tent door. She hears God promising Abraham that she's going to have the son. Now, the first time God spoke to Abraham about his son, what did Abraham do? He assumed that God was speaking only to him. That's why I tell y'all married people, y'all need to read y'all's Bible. Huh? If your husband get blessed, you bless. Oh, it's automatic thing. Automatic thing. Anything God says to him is for you too. So you can eavesdrop on his prayers and his promises and all his stuff. That's yours too. Why? Because God says the two shall be one. The women didn't really get that yet. They didn't really get that yet. You know where, where most women make their mistake? Hmm? I get my own. I don't, I don't need, I don't need no man to take care of me. I you know I do it, my. You ain't gonna do nothing yourself. You gonna hang around that checkbook. You gonna hang around that billfold, just like the rest of us has got some sense. Crazy, that's the craziest thing I ever. Where are you going without him anyway? Huh? Like you gonna buy your own house, go live by yourself, and do all this stuff, and he won't know nothing about it? Huh? Aubrey used to tell me, you ain't going, where you think you're going? You ain't going nowhere that I'm not going. I'm right there. And so you have to understand these promises are made to families. You look in the Bible and you see those are not promises that single people, you will singly go and do this and you will singly have three sons and all that crazy stuff. So here you got Abraham hearing it wrong. We hear stuff wrong in God all the time. So what happens? He knows Sarah's barren. Huh? All those years. She couldn't even have children when they were childbearing age. And so here she is in her old age, and they both assume she ain't the one. So they wind up with Abraham having a baby with the maid. Of course, everything falls out wrong from that because that never works. I don't care if you think God did tell you that. It ain't going to work. So if you know it's something that's wrong and it's sin, God didn't tell you to do it. And definitely if the fruit's bad, he didn't have anything to do with it. So here they got Ishmael sitting up in the house looking funny. The baby, the baby daddy sitting up there looking strange. And Sarah mad at the mama every day because she running around. I get my shape back after. I get my shape back, you know, all that crazy stuff. They need to throw out, which they did. So, praise God. And just repent and say, God, I made a mistake. Put her out and let me keep going on with you. So, anyhow, (laughs) God has to spell it out to Abraham. Abraham, remember Sarah, your wife. She going to have a baby for you. The one that I'm speaking about. Yo, W-I-F-E. And I don't need no help from the M-A-I-D. All right. Let me say what I'm saying. 
So God's answering the question right here. Is there anything too hard for God? No. It wasn't too hard when they first said it. When God first promised and they messed up on it. So God comes to him back. Abraham, clean out your ears. When I told you he was going to have a baby 13 years ago, I meant with your wife. I have to spell it out to you. And so Sarah heard it at the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abram and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So Sarah really had gone through menopause. Not only was she barren, you know, the, the woman's menstrual cycle really is a token from God of fertility. Everything where blood is shed has to do with life. And so when that cycle starts in a woman, that is a covenant sign with your God, between you and God, that you will be the mother of children. And that goes on and on and on until it ceases. And most women assume after that that they will not be mothers of children outside of a miracle. And see, nowadays, these medical people, they can start you back up again. They can give you pills, injections, and all, honey. Listen, ain't nothing too hard almost for the doctor these days. (laughs) Come on, God. Hey. (laughs) and see god releases this kind of technology to people because look at all the women who you know took careers and got to be 40 and pretty soon they looked around what no more men somewhere you know what i'm saying and so god's mercy is even in the natural flow of things and so here sarah has no natural signs indicating that she will have children even though when she had the natural signs she was still barren And see, in the Bible, oftentimes when that happens with people who love God and are obedient to God, I mean obedient like Abraham and Sarah and like you and me. We mess up, we repent, and we come down. I'm talking obedient like that. Ain't talking about nobody special with wings coming out their back. Huh? Just people who love Jesus and try their best to serve him and will correct it when they mess up. Huh? You don't stay down. And so here, you know, and so he decides that that he will bless people. And sometimes he will shut up a woman's womb until a time when he can get them to the point spiritually where that child can be born in the right spiritual atmosphere. See, I hear people say all the time, girl, I wish I had known the Lord when I was raising my kids. Huh? See? And so God wants everybody to do that. He wants you to have them when you know the Lord so you can raise them up right. And so this is all he was doing with Abraham and Sarah, developing their faith, getting relationship tight with them, getting to know their purpose in the earth so they didn't just live like any kind of people, to know that they were called to a high call if they belonged to the Lord. I don't care where you are in God's kingdom, everybody's called to a high call. And you need to consider everything that God gives you valuable. Your seed are very valuable to the Lord. You don't just, you know, have babies with anybody. That's right. <laughs> Make sure they're cute. <laughs> now, but you know what I'm saying. Not cute, godly cute, too. And they're going to serve God, and they're going to help you raise those kids right. And not just, you know, buying them stuff and wanting them to have, you know, little Nikes on their shirts and all that kind of stuff. You get some Jesus on their little shirts and teach them the right things. Put something in them of eternal value. And so this is what God was was wanting. He was wanting Abraham and Sarah to grow up in the spirit. So when he brought the son, 
that they would be able to raise the son right, and they would be able, he would be able to have total control in his household. Because what did God say a little bit later after this situation? He knew he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and he said, should I hide this thing from Abraham? And then he said, no, I got experience with him now. I know him. He said, he's going to command his family to go the right way. I'm going to share it with him. So, see, Abraham had grown up since the old days when he was, you know, baby daddy and trying to get God to bless him, you know, any old kind of way. And so he had grown up some, and he had developed in the Lord, and now God was able to trust him with more important spiritual things, and that's all he's wanted. So it says in verse 12, Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, Ha, 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 ha. Now she laughed within herself. She was smart enough not to laugh out loud, and God heard her anyway. Huh? Anybody ever said something on the inside hoping God didn't hear you? Uh, he heard it. Huh? And see, Sarah's laughing because she's still looking at the natural aspect of it. Because what does she say? After I wax old, huh, shall I have pleasure? Well, why don't you believe God and find out? Instead of sitting there laughing. Huh? Listen, I know old people who are rich and old people who are poor. I think old people who are rich like it better. Amen. You don't never get enough too old to enjoy money or to enjoy nice things or to enjoy good food or any of that kind of stuff. And God has this thing about him. If you belong to him, he will renew your youth every day. So you don't get old in God. Huh? And it says here, after I'm waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also, pointing finger at Abraham. And the Lord said unto Abraham, wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Verse 14 is our question again. Is anything too hard for the Lord? If God's promised you something, you might as well dust it off and get it off the shelf. All y'all who think time makes a big difference to God, the Bible says a day is like a thousand years with him. A thousand, he don't care, honey. He's just sitting up there having himself a good time being God. And see, we're the ones who are worried about time. And I'll tell you, the more you're concerned about time, the more it works against you. I found this out. Because if you stop to consider certain things, like how long it's been, how old you're getting, and you ain't no younger than the last time you asked yourself how old you were. So you best get up and start doing something with the time that you have. And he says, at the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied saying she didn't laugh because she was afraid. See, condemnation already. She's scared if she confesses to God, she laughed, he's not going to give it to her. So you need to confess it and get it out of the way and still expect God to give it to you. And he said, no, but you did laugh. And says, the men arose from thence and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them, and so forth and so on. So God takes care of Sodom and Gomorrah. Then if you turn over to Genesis chapter 20, we pick them up again. This is after Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed and Lot and his family, the ones that would go left. God then turns to Abraham 
And Abraham has to go on a journey again. And this is part of what God did with him. He kept him on the move. And you need to know that about yourself. God still keeps us on the move. We are growing from glory to glory and faith to faith. Abraham moving physically is a type and shadow of us moving by the Spirit. Always growing, ever increasing, and always learning the things of God. So in 20 verse 1, Abraham journeyed from thence toward the south country and dwelled between Kadesh and Shur and sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my now, have we heard him say that before? Didn't he get in trouble with this once before? See, if you ask me, this might explain why they ain't no kids yet. This man thinks this woman is his sister. He don't know if he's my sister, my wife, my wife, my sister. Huh? A little bit confused. <laughs> but most of the time, he has her masquerading as his sister. And then he explains that technically she is, because she's a stepsister, and you know. <laughs> you have to rely on God's faithfulness when your mind is just messed up. I mean, now think about this man. Huh? You ever see people who are totally flaky and God still blesses them? <laughs> He's got fruits, nuts, and flakes in his house. But see, even they can be obedient when they need to be. And this man winds up being a father of many nations. <laughs> see, there's hope for us. He says, she's my sister. And Abimelech, the king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. <clears throat> now, listen, folks. We're talking about a lady who's pushing 90. Postmenopausal. With no hormone therapy. Huh? So think about it, folks. Why is this king after a 90-year-old woman? Now listen here. Turn to Hebrews 11, chapter 11, and I'll show you something that is said about Sarah. But y'all think he's too high for God. It says here, through faith also, Sarah herself received something. She received strength to conceive seed. By faith, Sarah received strength to conceive. By faith, Sarah received strength to conceive. By faith, Sarah received strength to conceive. By faith, her body changed so that she started her period again, maybe. She got young enough looking so that the king wanted her, huh? Sarah ain't looking 90, folks. Listen, Abraham wouldn't have had to say that was his sister if they hadn't been putting pressure on him about her. Huh? He think he's carrying, you know, Granny Clampett around, and you look around, there's Ellie Mae one day. You see what I'm saying? Huh? 
it says she received strength to conceive. What is the strength to conceive? She got fertile again. And she had to be looking good. Her husband wouldn't have to lie about who she was. And she had to have been fertile at that time. Why? Because God, God caused a curse of barrenness to come on that whole household. So if she hadn't been in a position to conceive naturally in her body, why did God shut up all the fertility of all the men in that place? Now think about it. Y'all read the Bible just like I do. Huh? Well, I guess that's my job to think. I'm the teacher, right? I'm supposed to be thinking. But think about it, though. It said she received strength to conceive. Now, what does that mean to most women? You know what that means. You're still eligible. That's why he had to disqualify all the men that were around her in that place. Because Isaac would have been another Ishmael if he hadn't. I mean, they would have got it wrong again. So Abraham notices Sarah getting younger. And the guys, when he walks into town, they, you know, hey... Mama, who are you with? And she said, my brother. Huh? Huh? <laughs> because Abraham would rather them take Sarah instead of killing him, because if they wanted her that bad, they would have murdered him, because if she, they had been known she was his wife, they would have done the other thing. So Sarah looketh very, very good, y'all, if he thinks that somebody's going to kill him to get her. And so that's why he says, tell people you're my sister, so they won't put any undue pressure on me. I want to live to make it through this town. (laughs) It's true. So he gets into trouble with the king. God visits the king and tells him not to touch her. Because... She is fertile. Huh? We might have Sarah have an Ishmael, and then we got to take longer again to get the promise from God. See, that's why it's not good to be anxious for stuff, folks. I mean, really, don't be in a hurry. Don't push God to do something before you're ready inside and he releases it to you. He's not waiting for time. He's not just making you stew to make you wait and want it more. He is waiting to see some development of character, to see some development of faith, because you have to possess the things and take care of the things that he gives you. So don't ever be in a hurry to push God to give you something, a blessing, just so you can let everybody know you got blessed too. You know, always take these things as holy situations, because if if God had not intervened here, then Sarah would have conceived by this king. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so God had to shut up everybody's womb down there just so that he struck them all with barrenness, just to preserve Sarah's womb so that she would have the appointed seed that he wanted her to have. you got to know that. There is seed appointed to you by God. He knows how many kids he wants you to have, when he wants you to have them, what they're going to do for a living, and all that kind of stuff. And so you have to wait for God. When you belong to him, you need to have all these things in order. And then he will release those promises to you at the appointed time. The most important thing for you is to develop your faith and trust God and believe that God is faithful. 
And so it says in Hebrews 11, 11, we'll go back there. And it shows you what Sarah did. After she laughed at God, she judged him funny the first time. Huh? She judged God a joke. Because he came to her and said all that he was going to do for her. But she straightened up. Because it says by faith. She got her faith back in line with what God was saying. And anybody can believe God. She herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past natural age. Because why? In order to receive strength to do something, strength is always a grace in God or the anointing. These things are released in your life, your body, wherever they need to be released by the power and the anointing of God. So that strength from God came into her body, took all that age away, started her fertility up again. That was the strength God was talking about. And it says she was delivered. She carried the the baby full term. It wasn't a, you know, menopause accident. You know, a lot of times miscarriages happen then because if, if a woman isn't really ovulating right or her hormone level is not right to cause the baby to mature, you can miscarry very easily in old age. But it says here that she was delivered of a child when she was past age. Why? She did something to get that strength. After everything that she had laughed about, all the mistakes she and Abraham had made, and that day when God came there and told her she shouldn't laugh at him because he was serious, she finally summed up all of that and she said, you know what? We've been walking with God ever since we left chanting to Buddha. Because that's what they, they were Chaldeans and so they worshiped the sun and the moon and Om and, you know, looking at his navel and... Ever since Abraham gave up chanting and looking at his navel, we started following God. Huh? And we've made a lot of mistakes. We thought God was speaking a promise to him, and we struck out on our own to accomplish what only God can do. And then God turned around and made my husband very rich. God even cursed other people when they tried to curse my husband. My husband has won every war that he was ever in, defended people in the name of the Lord. Simply because we follow God. She said, now here we are in old age and God's still telling us after we'd have messed up, he's blessed us anyway. Went down to Egypt, lied to the men down there, said I was his sister. Now he's back, lied again, said I'm his sister again. God's cursing these people. You know what? God ain't funny no more. God's faithful. I've judged him faithful. Huh? I have changed my mind. I have quit judging God the wrong way. See, that's all we have to do is to judge God faithful. Not, it's not, do, have you been good enough? It's not, did you confess the word enough? It's not, do you have enough faith? But is God faithful? Because if he's, faith, if he's faithful, if you don't have the right kind of faith, he'll come and help your unbelief. So we have to understand that as long as we are pursuing God in the word, as long as we're subjecting ourselves to hearing the word and hanging on to our faith, The bottom line, nothing is too hard for God. And if we will judge him faithful, because he promised. He's not a man that he should lie. And he's not the son of man that he should repent. Tell you he's going to do something. Oh, I changed my mind. I don't think I want to do that for y'all. He's not like that. God is faithful. 
If he tells you he's going to do something one time, that means that he will not change his mind forever. He still feels the same way about it. And he's always going to do what he says he's going to do. And if we would judge him faithful who promised, then God would certainly deliver. He delivers in every situation, folks. There is not anything too hard for God. If, if you have limbs missing, what do you care what God is? You don't have to figure out if God knows how to grow a limb out. Just judge him faithful because he said he was going to do that. That he would deliver you faultless and blameless, whole and intact before his throne. And so we have to believe that God will do these things because he is faithful. So Sarah's bottom line really was by faith she used her faith to judge him faithful. She didn't use her faith to try and convince God how much faith she had. But she used her faith to judge him faithful. And so she was delivered of a child when she was past age because of that. And so Sarah was able to fulfill what God had said about her simply by judging him faithful. Did he say it once? If he said it once, if you messed up since he told you, he knew you were going to mess up before he told it to you, and he still told you. So if your condition were going to hinder him from promising you, he never would have told you to begin with. The day we get that bad, folks, that God can't use us, the world's in very bad shape. He's going to use us because he said he would. We are his church and we are his people. And so Abraham and Sarah then begin to understand what their job is. Now, Abraham was able to bless the family of Abimelech before he left. And this is very important. In uh, Genesis chapter 20 again. Abraham explains why he tells this thing about Sarah. Verse 9, Abimelech calls Abraham and said, What have you done? What have I offended you? What have you brought on this kingdom, a great sin? So forth. Verse 10, Abimelech said to Abraham, What sawest you that you have done this thing? And Abraham said, Because I thought, Surely the fear of God is not in this place. I'm among a bunch of heathens, and I have to do what I have to do to protect myself. So here Abraham's not even trusting God to protect him and his wife as they journey. So where's his faith? See, God works with us where we're at, folks. It says, verse 12, Yet indeed she is my sister. She is the daughter of my father and not the daughter of my mother. And yeah, yeah, Abraham, fix it up. (laughs) Verse 13, It came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house, that I said to her, this is thy kindness that you will show to me. Hmm? Jezebel and Ahab. (laughs) In every place where we shall come, say of me, he is my brother. And Abimelech took sheep, oxen, and men servants, women servants, and gave them to Abraham and restored him, Sarah, his wife. So he's making atonement to God's servant. And Abimelech said, behold, my land is before thee. Dwell where you please could have done that in the beginning by telling the truth, Abraham. But that doesn't stop God. You see what I'm saying? It doesn't stop God. Verse 16, he said unto Sarah, Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. Behold, he is to thee a covering of the eyes unto all that are with thee and with the other. Thus 
she was reproved. So Abraham prayed unto God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maidservants, and they bore children. For the Lord had fast closed up the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. So Abraham prays for them. He releases them from the curse. That way he knows he can be blessed. I'm telling you, anything you want from God, you've got to be willing to let somebody else have it as well. So Abraham couldn't leave that place cursed. The best thing sometimes for you, if you're praying for yourself to be healed, find ten more people that need it to and start praying for them. As you confess the word over them, you'll find one day you look up, your symptoms are totally gone. Because what you sow and give away first, God will cause you to reap it. You reap the first fruits of every seed that you sow. And so God will certainly bless people and he will heal them because he wants everybody to be well. Now, Mark chapter 5, here we see a situation where a man needs his daughter to be healed. And time keeps slipping by. This issue about time again. Is anything too hard for God? He proved it with Abraham and Sarah with restoring her strength to conceive and her fertility. So he has to prove it again with a man who feels that time is slipping away from him because of a delay in the healing process. In Mark chapter 5, where do we start? Verse 21, I think we start there. Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side. Much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there comes one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hand on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. So his confession is right. Huh? If you come and pray for her, she will live. So he is confident in God. He knows that God's going to do it. How many of us have prayed for something and we believed we received when we prayed, and we began to thank God for it, never have to pray again, as long as you know that you prayed in faith the first time, You keep thanking God for it and act like you have it, and pretty soon you have it. Except most of us forget to act like we have it, and we look around, well, what happened to my so-and-so I was praying for? Uh, I thought, what is all prayer I asked God for? I thought I put it over here. Oh, but I believed I received when I prayed. And I shall have. Huh? I can't remember where it was I praying for something over there, and I knew I was, I was supposed to get it by now. No, if you got your prayer list down, and what, what was we agreeing and asking God? Huh? Let me tell you what happens with that. If you don't strengthen your spirit on a regular basis by meditating on the Word, it'll fly right out of there just like that, where it won't be in your heart. See, we believe first, and then we speak. The spirit of faith is that way. You believe first and then you speak. You don't speak anything that you don't believe if you expect God to bring it to pass. And see, sometimes we're real glib about the word. You know what I'm saying. Just off the top of your head. and Oh, yeah, you know, 
Yeah, oh yeah, I'm healed. By his stripes, I am healed. But sometimes it's coming from here, and it's not real solid in here. And so what God is wanting us to do is get it solid on the inside here. And I'm going to tell you what will prove where time, what you do over a period of time, will prove where it is. Because what's up here can flit in and out like songs you hear or, you know, stuff you cribs, who you saw in cribs, and you might remember it for three days and right in the top of your head. But what's in here, what's in your spirit, that's what God will honor. And see, what happens is there are times we want things from God, but we don't understand the process of we believe first and then we speak. Believe and then we speak. Sometimes you can believe for a season and then hear something contrary to God's Word. And so many times that kind of news can begin to drain out and cause to weaken what's, what you believe in here. And so you have to stir it up again. You have to continue to say it on the inside of yourself, just like the woman with the issue of blood. She said within herself, if I could just touch that. So she set the conditions for her healing by her faith that she had within, on the inside of herself. So here this man is a ruler of the synagogue. And he said, I know that if you lay hands on her, she'll be healed and live. Verse 24, Jesus said, okay, we're going to see. Huh? Now, this man being a ruler of a synagogue, if you're a preacher, how many of you know you're supposed to have stronger faith than the people you lead? You're not supposed to be on the tail end of things. So your faith will be tested and your faith will be tried and your faith will be put through the grinder and it will be put through the mill and it will be put through many things because you have to carry many answers for many people. So don't think your faith can be at a lower level than the people that you lead. So here this man's a ruler of the synagogue. That's how he gets the big test. Okay, say amen, somebody. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years. Now this, his daughter's in emergency because she's at the point of death. Here's a bigger emergency stopping him. This woman's on time for her appointment. And it says she had suffered many things of many doctors, spent all she had and didn't get better or worse. She's kind of got the reverse problem of Sarah. She's got blood still issuing from her body. Sarah's had ceased. So this woman, but they wind up with the same result, the curse. Because now this is making this woman sick, but they're both, you know, infertile. She can't do anything anyway because this blood continues to ooze from her body. And so it says, she heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched him. For she said, if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be whole. So she had convinced herself that Jesus was the healer that she needed. She didn't have to go to doctors anymore. She didn't need anything. She just needed the word of God. See, when you get that in your head, that it is the Word of God that heals you, when you understand that, when you honor God's Word, when you meditate on His Word, when you receive His Word and stay daily in His Word, that's the important thing. These promises, folks, cannot be gotten in a snatch-and-grab fashion. These promises are for covenant people. If you're a, a Christian and walk in covenant with God, then it should not be a problem for you to read your Bible every day. 
and take the word just like medicine when you need healing in your body. This is the way we're supposed to live. And so she said, if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be whole. When she did, immediately she got her healing. Faith tells you exactly how it's going to happen. It ain't no guessing game. You don't have to guess if God's going to heal you today at the healing school. Yes, he's going to heal you today at the healing school. You were healed 2,000 years ago. You just need to get in a place where you can release your faith in the right atmosphere to receive it. It's not a matter of his willingness. It's a matter of us positioning ourselves in a place to receive by the Spirit. And says Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the multitude, and you said, Who touched me? He looked around to see her who had done this thing, but the woman fearing and trembling, knowing. Now, I would imagine Jairus is about to blow his brains out by now. This guy stops Jesus. He wants to take him right over to his house where the daughter's dying. And here this woman with a divine appointment steps right up there, and Jesus had to stop and minister to her. Now, that's the delay in your miracle. In those days, it was people stopping the one person who was anointed. Nowadays, it's situations that come up with us in between the time we prayed and the time we, huh? Same thing. But does that mean it's impossible for God because time has gone by? When are you going to get it? Well, faith says now. You can receive at any time. When are you going to make up your mind you're just going to receive it and not try to figure out why it's taking so long? And not try to figure out, figure it. You need to add everything up to God is faithful. When you add up all the delays and all your mess ups and you didn't confess the word enough and maybe you didn't read your word enough and God's still going to do it even if you didn't read your word enough, just read it enough now. Whatever it is that you're not doing, strengthen yourself in that way and God will still do it. Sometimes those are conditions for our healing, that we allow our spirit to get strengthened so that we can grab it and hold on to it and really believe God for it. And he said, who touched me? And she looked around and she told him all that she had done. And Jesus stops to minister and teach this woman while this man's standing here sweating bullets and biting his top lip because he'd been waiting for Jesus to come. You know, she ain't getting no better, Lord. Verse 34, he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. Now, sometimes when you come to a meeting, you think the meeting is taking too long. Huh? I want my miracle now, God. Why, you know, why is she still talking? Why did they have that music for all that long time? God, don't you know I'm in a hurry? I told you I only was going to give you two hours to do this thing for me. That's really what we're saying. It'll shock you, the people that will leave like a Benny Hinn meeting early, that don't have enough faith to even get themselves in the door, that walk away discouraged because they didn't get it at this meeting. They don't ever come to another one because nobody takes the time to get them to understand what it takes really for you to get a miracle. 
what it takes for you to get a miracle is for you to make time unimportant. Because you have set this time aside for you and God to deal with what's wrong with you. Because I want to be honest with you, the things we need from God, we can't get on the, on the fly. And we can't get it through the drive-thru. We've got to take time. He's God. Amen. We need to worship Him an hour and then some. Amen. You know, if it hurts you to stay for an hour in the presence of God, I don't know what you're going to do when He shocks you up here at this altar and lays you out and get that illness out of your body. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so you have to let your spirit man get taught and let him come to the forefront and start receiving that healing for you. Because that's your flesh that wants everything real fast, honey. Your spirit man just wants to survive, live, and get strong in God. He loves the worship of God. Your spirit man loves the Word of God. Your spirit man is not in a hurry for anything. He just knows he has eternity to spend with the Savior. And so we have to get beyond this shoot over here and grab a little of this and shoot over here and grab a little of that and shoot over here and grab. No, no, no. You've got to let God heal you. You've got to spend time with him to get your healing. You know, people don't like to hear this kind of stuff. They want to hear you go up. Listen, some of those people that get on TV at Benny Hinn's meeting, they've been coming 12 meetings and glued to the TV every day and reading the Bible and listening to tape. So you don't know what it takes, the input it takes into your spirit to get everything. And what are you going to do anyway? Go back to smoking crack, run into the casino on the bus, Oh, well, I'm going to stop there. I'm going to go back to reading the Bible. You see what I'm saying? You ain't doing nothing no way. So you might as well devote that time to God. Because that's where your benefits are. And he said, daughter, go in faith. Your faith has made you whole. Go in peace, your faith. Now, you don't know that this might have been important for that man to hear before Jesus did the next thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? Everything he does is important for everybody who's standing by there. Maybe this man had a little bit of faith when he said, you know, I believe I received you will hear, you know. Yes. I mean, come on now. He's, he's the ruler of the synagogue for crying out loud. How much faith could he have in that dead place? Huh? And he comes up to Jesus with a faith confession. Oh, Master, I believe I received. You pray for her and I know she'll be healed. Well, stick around. You're going to know more than that by the time we get over there. Because you're going to have to believe I'm going to raise her for the dead. Because she's sure going to die. Because I'm going to deal with this lady first. Right in front of you. See? For all the people with that little glib faith confession. Oh, yeah, you're going to have to walk through something like this. Because the master is going to find out if you really do believe it or not. Or you're just trying to con him into giving you your healing. With a faith confession. Where was I? (laughs) I mean, everything Jesus does is for a reason. Standing around waiting under the anointing is for a reason. Listening to explain what faith is to another person is for a reason. Everything he's doing with this man is for a reason. 35, while he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogues, how certain which said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the master any further? Now, these are his friends. Huh? People of like precious faith, right? What'd they tell him? Forget it. She's dead. Listen, there was never any faith in his household. That's why she died. 
He escaped the household to try and come and get some faith to come in there, and his fizzled out right after he used the little bit he had. But Jesus is merciful. What does he do? He revives this little guy's faith. He's like, brother, listen, I knew you were trying to con me when you first came up here and told me this stuff. And I knew your daughter was going to die while we stand up here healing this woman right here. But I'm going to show you what God can really do if you trust him. Huh? What does he tell him? Hey, people say, don't trouble me here if she die. As soon as Jesus heard those words, as soon as. As soon as you hear words of unbelief, as soon as you hear words of doubt, as soon as you hear words that tell you it won't happen, you better get, correct them, you better stamp on them, you better crush them, you better get them out of your mind, out of your faith. And they come up in here, hey, don't bother the master, your daughter dead. We, get, we got the funeral going on right now at the house. Come on, let's, you know, let's get ready for that. And Jesus says, you shut up. As soon as he hears it, he tells you to keep believing him. What kind of God do you think he serve? Listen, if it brought the baby into life from a little egg and a sperm, what do you think he's going to do while she's laying there dying? He's going to raise her back up again. So Jesus says, don't be afraid, only believe. In other words, the man probably came up to him in fear the first time he talked to him. And before Jesus could correct his fear, he had his chick comes up there with a divine appointment yanking on his clothes so he has to stop and minister to her but he knows that this man is more fear than he's faith i said he was more fear than faith all along listen what did the centurion do he said you don't even have to come to my house speak the word and they'll be healed over at the house and you're right here So this guy had faith for him coming to the house and healing her. That's what he told her from the beginning. He said, I know if you come, she'll be healed. Well, (laughs) if you said that the first time, it must still be true, even though she is dead. It's got to be true with your faith confession. So Jesus says, don't be scared. Just hang on to what you told me the first time when you said that you believed I'd do it. Don't ever change your confession. Don't ever change what you have said God is going to do for you. I don't care who comes up to you and tells you you can't have it because. Or you don't qualify because. Or God ain't going to do it for you. You done done too much wrong. Or you can't ever get that straightened out in your life. Don't ever change your confession. Get your confession, though, in line with God's word. Because, see, there's something about us as people. We don't like to change our confession, period. You can be confessing stupid and don't want to change it. Do you understand what I'm saying? He said, well, God don't heal no more. Well, I believe he he don't use women preachers. And And see, because they put it out there, when truth comes to them and correction comes, they don't want to change what they said in doubt or unbelief. But see, God wants us to hold on to a good confession. His word that he will manifest in the things that he'll do. He wants us to continue to stand with those things so that those things can manifest. So he tells this man, don't be afraid, only believe. Jesus knows what this man is up against. When people get sick, 
most of the people that show up, I mean, if they're really, really sick, most of the people that contact you are premature mourners. You understand what? They start flying in. Where do they get plane tickets from all of a sudden? Nobody's coming in with a healing anointing or a prayer for that family member. And they find out that they're gravely ill. Or how is brother so-and-so doing? Is he... And you say, well, he hasn't really... Don't ever change your confession. Don't you tell a soul on the telephone that somebody ain't doing good. You don't know what God's working on the inside of them anyway. They may not look too cool on the outside, but you don't know what God's working on the inside of them if you hold on to your faith and your confession. The poorest of the relatives manage to get there to sit at the bedside so that they can mourn them while they're still breathing. Instead of confessing the words, you shall live and not die. Instead of allowing that person a chance. So here these people crowd around the bed of the sick with all of this unbelief, just waiting. And that's what was happening at this guy's house. And Jesus knew it. He knew this girl was going to be dead by the, even if he just translated himself over there. With all that unbelief sitting in that room around that girl, she was a goner anyway. And he says, what page was that in Mark chapter 5? Which, which uh, says, while he spoke, he says, your daughter is dead. Don't trouble the master any further. As soon as Jesus heard the words, he said to him, don't be afraid, only believe. So Jesus upholds your faith. He will encourage your faith. He always strengthens your faith. Don't go ever be afraid to tell God your faith is puny and it's weak and it's no good and how you feel. Because the next thing that comes from him will be a strengthening of your faith. And he allowed no man to follow him except Peter and James and John. In other words, he had people of like precious faith following him. Huh? So Jesus isn't crazy. He knows he can't heal anybody in an atmosphere of unbelief. He's got to have believing souls around him. He says, and he comes to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and sees the bunch of people. All the confusion. Huh? Where they say, where envy and strife is confusion falls, and in confusion is every evil word. And he said, already they got mourners in there. They wept and wailed greatly. That just increases the confusion. It says, when he was come in, he said to them, why are you making this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. Now, he said that to see if there was any faith in the room. Huh? If you're going to pray for people, folks, it's either going to be a setup for God or a setup for the devil to kill them. And you need to find out, first of all, if there is any faith in the room. Huh? Because you can't beat up on the sick person. Huh? You can't rebuke the sick person for not having enough faith. You're supposed to be there to do it, no matter what their condition. Huh? See, this is where we make our mistakes sometimes as believers. We start rebuking the sick person that they don't have enough faith when really you're supposed to have the goods. Why'd you show up? Why'd God send you if you knew they didn't have He knew they didn't have any faith before He sent you. What you doing here? You've got to find out if there's any faith in the room, folks. 
because the atmosphere makes all the difference. That's why I'm preaching as long as I am and we worship for an hour or more. Because it takes time to get everybody from watching their watch. All the watch watchers usually leave after two and a half hours, so all the unbelief left already. And see, I'm never in a hurry for God. I don't push him around. You understand what I'm saying? I respect God. I work for him, not the reverse. We think we can make God give people instant miracles so that we can look like we know what we're doing. We need to cut it out. So anyway, Jesus makes a statement. He draws a plumb line. Huh? Who's on the Lord's side? Step over this line. He said, I said she ain't dead. She's sleeping. I said what y'all hollering and wailing for, she ain't dead. Everybody who believes it, step over here with me. The rest of y'all hit the road. I said, Jesus drew a line. He said, everybody who believes she's sleeping and not dead, step over on this side. If you don't believe it, get out the house. Who believes Jesus has already healed his body? Huh? By his stripes, we are healed. All we're doing is developing, strengthening our faith for the manifestation, allowing it to manifest and totally drive every symptom out. When the word starts to come in like this, you are being healed right now, whether you know it or not. If you're receiving the word in your spirit, Everything that's not like God is being driven out of your heart, and, the, and God is healing. His healing power is manifesting in you right now. So really, when you come up to the altar, it's just a final crowning of what he's been doing with you while you've been sitting here. You know the problem with people? They'll sit and wait for the altar call and twiddle their thumbs while they sit out there, and God could have healed you ten times if you pay attention to the Word. And so we have to learn how to expect every time you're in an atmosphere, God, you expect what you came for to happen, and it will happen. So he tells them, he says, she's not dead but sleeping. And they laughed him to scorn, but when he had put them all out, you don't see anybody refusing to leave, do you? Huh? Listen, the anointing gives you that authority, folks, if you know you're anointed. And if you know, and you know God sent you, you should kick all the unbelief out simply because it will not help you to get this girl. You want her healed. You don't want them to rob her healing from her. And he says, but when he put them all out, he took the father and the mother, people who want it. Faith is a type of desire. What does the Bible say? Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them. He don't have to check their faith. They have desire, and that's as good as faith in God's book. The believing parents, the wanting parents, the ones who want their daughter raised up, they're the people in faith. They're the ones who are going to receive this girl healed. And he says, and the mother and them that were with him, Peter, Paul, James, and John, and see, they know better because they get whipped real good when Jesus takes them aside. They said, y'all, little faith, folks? How would you do that for? Oh, yeah, little faith. 
Look, she don't where's your faith? See, they didn't want to hear that from Jesus, so they know how to straighten up when they go to a healing house to heal somebody. They know how to not talk dumb and start, well, why don't we do this? Uh-uh, they don't do that. They just stay there and they believe the best that they can. If you are not a strong faith person, at least don't open your mouth in unbelief. And so he said he took the damsel by the hand and said, Talitha Kumai, which is by interpretation, damsel, I say unto you, arise. And right away she arose and walked. She is 12 years old. And they were astonished. And you know what? They gave her something to eat right after. She didn't have to get a little bit better at a time. And, I'm okay, but I don't feel like... No, she was 100% whole when he got her up out of that thing. And if you're not sure they're whole, make them eat something anyway. Huh? Because if they start exercising their faith, the sooner they start exercising their faith, the more whole they will be. She may not have felt hungry or anything, but he said, feed her, just so she'll start acting like a well person right away. Whatever you act like, you will be, as far as your faith is concerned. So he allowed that girl to be raised from the dead, because there's nothing too hard for God. Jesus had to prove that even after somebody has died, God still can raise them from the dead. That had to be established in somebody's life while he was here on earth. Amen. Huh? I know a lot of times we say, oh, God, please don't let me be the one that has to prove that with my child. But I'm telling you, God will have to establish these things in this level of faith on the earth. Why? Because it's so much hell in the earth now. There's so many people hurting other people for no reason. People who are snatching people's children, kidnapping them. We're going to have to believe God for the impossible, folks. Who would have think all those POWs would have been unharmed after all those days? But they emerged out of there, huh? Nothing missing, intact, nothing broken. Why? Because somebody would dare to stand on the word of God and stretch out there and say, God, there is nothing impossible with the God that we serve. So we're going to have to start more and more believing God for the impossible. We're not going back the natural route, folks. There's nothing down that road for us. But I'm telling you, if we will stay and understand that God, with him, all things are possible. To look for God to do the impossible. Look for impossible situations. Start now in your prayer life. Find an impossible situation and start getting God's word in on it. Begin to establish in your life that God is willing and he is able to do the impossible even in your life. You've got a hard situation. God hasn't moved in years. You don't even know if God's interested in that anymore for you. You've made it impossible because of the amount of time that's gone by. Some people have initiated things in their lives they wish they hadn't started. Huh? I'm just telling you the truth. And you think it's impossible because you is your bad. Well, I got you're gonna be bad again. So you know what what's new? But see, God is the God of the impossible to take care of the things that we do that we know that aren't going to get remedied easily unless we can believe God for something extraordinary. So why don't you stand to your feet? We'll start some... some...
trying to be strong. Your face wears a smile, but your heart's filled with pain. And will it ever change? See, it's not that you love will come in time. Cause true love was with you all the time. Don't accept imitation love for a heart that can't wait. Remember the kisses. God blows you away. Giving it up. 
有几。